From an investment perspective, healthcare has traditionally been considered a defensive sector, but disruption on multiple fronts is challenging this belief. Many incumbents are vulnerable to a number of disruptive forces that are challenging the status quo. At the same time, innovation and increased competition from traditional and non-traditional healthcare players is creating opportunities. For investors, disruption represents a threat to some incumbent players, but also an opportunity to find well-positioned companies poised to benefit. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Pulse, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, and as part of our series on disruption, for which we've previously done podcasts on the forces impacting the auto industry and retail and grocery, China, and the consumer that you can find in our library, today we're tackling disruption in healthcare. And I'm joined by my colleague and senior portfolio manager, Moira McLaughlin, who has done a lot of research on the disruption happening in healthcare today and how we look at investing in it. So Moira, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Healthcare always seems to be a hot button topic, and especially as we get closer to the 2020 presidential election, we'll probably be hearing a lot more about it. What is it about healthcare that garners so much attention? Well, I think there are a number of reasons. Certainly, everyone is interested in it because we all use it. Uh, politicians have been arguing about the ways to fix our system for decades. And certainly, early indications show that it is going to be one of the top issues on voters' minds in the upcoming election. Look, there's clearly no easy fix, but there is a broad-based recognition that something's got to be done. In the U.S., we spent almost 18% of GDP on health care in 2018. And healthcare spending is expected to grow or to excuse me, to grow faster than the overall economy, reaching almost twenty percent of GDP by twenty twenty seven. So Moira, with all that spending, how does the US healthcare system stack up against the healthcare systems in the rest of the world? Aggregate health outcomes in the U.S. actually lag the rest of the developed world. We have higher rates of obesity, infant mortality, and lower life expectancy than in comparable countries. The data suggests that with the exception of diagnostic testing, the use of services in the U.S. is no higher than it is in the rest of the developed world. But we pay more about twice as much on physician services, administration costs, and prescription drug costs compared to other developed markets. Okay, so why is it that we pay more for these suboptimal outcomes, or these outcomes at least that are worse than the rest of the developed world? Well, there are a lot of reasons, and of course, it's complicated. And we don't right? have enough time on this show right, to tackle to all, get of them, all of those. Right, yeah. That's right. But, you that know, being said, there, there are a number of reasons. Historically, a lack of universal coverage historically has contributed to limited access to preventative care, to early interventions, and really help in managing chronic conditions for vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. The system is rife with inefficiencies and excessive costs. And we know that outside size profit pools and inefficiencies increase vulnerability to disruption across industries. And certainly, policymakers, industry insiders, and companies outside of the traditional healthcare system are looking at ways to improve, improve outcomes and also lower costs. And so I guess where we're going with this is that um, disruption in this industry might be a force for change. It, it, um, you've identified through your research 
four disruptive forces. Can you just walk through those four? Sure. They are regulatory change, rising consumerism, that's rising consumer engagement, uh, the digital revolution, and the Amazon effect. Okay. So just again, regulatory change, rising consumer engagement, the digital revolution, and the Amazon effect. Let's take them in turn. Let's start with regulatory change. Talk to our listeners about that. Well, look, regulatory change is always going to be close to the top of the list in in sectors that are highly regula- regulated, like healthcare. In the U.S., the Affordable Care Act has certainly been top of mind since it was passed in 2010. And whether the next step is a new and improved Affordable Care Act, whether it's Medicare for all, certainly the mandate for he- any and all healthcare initiatives going forward will center on reducing costs and improving the quality of care. Historically, the focus on costs means that reimbursement risk for providers of care will remain high. We've traditionally had this fee-for-service model that really focuses on volume rather than quality. So higher volumes equal higher revenues, and there's been little financial incentive for providers to focus on preventative care or to shift to lower-cost settings. Now we're seeing an increased focus on a move to value-based care, which focuses on outcomes, efficacy, and quality of care, and importantly, provides better incentives for preventative care, early detection, and monitoring chronic conditions, which can be, of course, incredibly expensive to manage. So if the system moves to this value-based care model, what does it mean for the companies that we invest in? Well, both invest in and want to avoid, right? So high cost, high fixed cost incumbents such as hospitals are clearly going to face ongoing pressure on revenues as reimbursement risk increases. So those are companies that we're most certainly avoiding. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those companies that help control cost and focus on the value of care like health insurers and managed care companies are likely to benefit from that shift. Okay, so now back to your four disruptive forces. The the next one is healthcare consumerism. I don't usually think about consumerism and healthcare in the same sentence, so maybe detail that one for us. Uh, well, it's you're right, absolutely. It's one of the worst shopping experiences there is. When we're shopping for healthcare, we're really flying blind. There's no price transparency. It's almost impossible to comparison shop. Okay, well, with insurance, traditionally we we, for those who've had insurance, haven't really had to think about what we pay for a healthcare service, but that's changing, isn't it? That that's absolutely right. In increasingly, uh, as patients, consumers, we're being forced to assume greater portions of the overall cost, and that is f- forcing us to really become more educated medical healthcare consumers. For sure, think much more about the cost benefit analysis. I've actually started seeing uh, websites that that can um, quantify the the amount a, a procedure will cost or um, start to rank the quality of the doctors in, in, in a certain healthcare system. Is that something that we can expect to see more and more of? Absolutely. There's been a huge amount of press and there's really a rising awareness about the magnitude of price differences, even for the same illnesses or procedures within the same hospital, really based on the rates that have insur- insurers have negotiated. We're seeing now a proliferation of tools really designed to help uh, sites such as realhealthcost.org 
Org. GoodRx is on, on the prescription uh, front, and, and there are many, many others. We're also starting to see a move to lower-cost care sites. So think 24-7 nurse lines, telemedicine visits, retail-based convenience clinics, think Minute Clinic. You just CVS, had your first telemedicine experience, didn't I you? I did, absolutely. Why don't you tell everybody I what happened to well, you? Well, it was, it, was, it was very easy. I had um, a, a simple issue, and uh, rather than going to urgent care, because I couldn't get into the doctor on the same day, rather than going to urgent care, I called uh, a telemedicine site, and uh, two minutes later, I was uh, off and on my way. Where did you find the telemedicine site? Was it related? Was it through our, your insurance company? It actually was, wow. yes. Um, and you probably received that card in the mail as well, but ignored it. <laughs> I paid attention I definitely did because I've been it. thinking a lot about this stuff, so... Well, good. It was a guinea pig. I refrained. Uh, I resisted the urge to start peppering the doctor with lots of questions about the model and what it was like. Or about other things. That, that <laughs> That's they, exactly right. So let, let, let's continue on. So how does this rising consumerism affect the way that we view investments in the sector? There are a few ways. We think specialized care facilities will continue to steal share from hospitals. So think ambulatory surgical centers urgent care centers. I mentioned retail-based uh, convenience clinics. We also think that health insurers, managed care companies should benefit from steering care towards lower cost providers. And critically, if lower cost, more convenient and accessible care increases monitoring an ongoing care for chronic conditions and thus prevents them from becoming acute, that's going to be very good for patient outcomes and ultimately a good thing for overall system costs. Technology is also playing a big role in rising consumer engagement. I'm glad you mentioned technology because that brings us to your third, uh, third of four disruptive forces, the digital revolution. When I think about digital revolution in healthcare, I think about my wife's Fitbit, but, but it goes much, much further than that, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, many tech giants are anticipating the next killer app is going to be healthcare. We've got apps and wearable sensors that extend from simple activity trackers like mm -hmm. the Fitbit uh, to continuous blood sugar monitors, heart and blood pressure monitors as well. Really, um, technology and miniaturization has allowed pervasive sensing that along with a combination of other technologies can monitor and help manage both acute and chronic diseases. So you, you, you mentioned acute and chronic, but this digitalization goes well beyond that, right? The Fitbit, my, my sports watch, all of this helps us just be healthier in general, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think digital technologies really are, are a key part of sort of facilitating more active participation by patients. And that, of course, again, should accelerate this move from a passive a passive patient to a more engaged um, and an active consumer, and absolutely critically managing chronic conditions or preventing right. early early indications from becoming chronic conditions, all, very good for patients, and again, good for costs. Overall. It seems like there's no end in sight to to what we could say ultimately about about digitalization or the impact of digital in healthcare, both today, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That's absolutely right. Technology is typically cited as the biggest potential disruptor in the healthcare space. Within technology, about 30% of industry insiders said that telemedicine that we just talked about uh, is likely to have the biggest impact, the most significant impact on the way that medicine is practiced over the next five to 10 years, and certainly assuming that that technology is used 
used appropriately, that could have a significant impact on both costs and outcomes. The next most cited influence is artificial intelligence. You know, a couple of years ago, we did a deep dive into personalized medicine. Is that all part of the digital revolution in healthcare? Absolutely. It's a huge part of it. There are a couple of threads that really come together here. The Affordable Care Act mandated the adoption of electronic health records. And as a result of this requirement, there are now massive amounts of data that have been accumulated. Big data solutions, that's that idea of using large data sets for actionable analytics, um, is really lagging within healthcare versus the applications that we've seen in many other industries. But there's a significant long-term opportunity. number of studies have shown that up to 30% of system costs come from redundancies, which is a stunning number. And any systems that are affected in weeding out redundancies should, should reduce costs. But of course, the promise of big data is much, much bigger than that. We've got advances in technology that are really contributing to personalized medicine that were unimaginable a decade ago. It took the Human Genome Project, 13 years, about a billion dollars to sequence one genome. But today, we've got super fast and relatively inexpensive DNA sequencing that really allows researchers to study the, the links between genetic variants and, and disease. I've always thought of artificial intelligence in the context of, um, I don't know, technology improving shopping or safety in a car. But uh, the the amount of disruption and improvement that can occur within healthcare because of artificial intelligence and, and big data is is mind boggling. Absolutely, the UK Biobank, um, for example, is a large long term biobank study that's really researching the contributions, the respective contributions of genetic predisposition and environmental exposure to the development of disease. And and the biobank represents a huge data set that's now available to research researchers. And there's really endless possibilities for predictive analytics, to your point about preventing mm-hmm. disease to whenever, uh, when, when possible, and personalized medicine. And, and this is really all going to be made possible by big data and advances in artificial intelligence. So that then brings us to our last disruptor in your, your list of four disruptors in healthcare, the Amazon effect. So it seems Amazon is everywhere. As I've mentioned on the show countless times, I have boxes coming to my apartment <laughs> seemingly every day. Now it's involved with healthcare? Well, Amazon's reputation as the 800-pound gorilla in the room means that everyone is paying attention. They haven't done very much yet or n- nothing that's really moved the needle, certainly for them. But early last year, they announced a joint venture with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway. That's a no- set up as a nonprofit. It's really designed to lower costs and improve healthcare for the million 1 million employees of the three founding companies. Are there any specifics beyond that that Not we know Not very about? much. They've okay. named it Haven. They've appointed uh, actually a very high-profile CEO who mm-hmm. may actually um, be a figurehead. We don't really know. Um, it's, it's really not clear what their end game is. But again, because of their reputation, everyone is paying very close attention. They also announced the acquisition of a pharmacy company last year, PillPack, which is an online pharmacy startup. Pretty small acquisition. But importantly, the company has pharmacy licenses in 50 states, which helps Amazon really overcome an enormous potential hurdle in terms of entering the pharmacy market. 
All right, so Moira, those are your four disruptive forces that are at play in the healthcare sector. Again, regulatory change, rising consumer engagement, the digital revolution, and then finally, the Amazon effect. Before we let you go, I I just have one more question. Let's try and tie this all together and, and talk about, if you would, at a high level, how these disruptive forces are impacting individual companies today. Absolutely. I think it's always important to emphasize when we're talking about these big themes that we're investing in companies rather than themes, right? So we're going to look at the, 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 these individual disruptive forces really through the eyes of the company and really ask ourselves what they mean for a specific company's ability to reinvest in their business, what it's going to mean for returns on investment over time, how the forces are going to impact competitive positioning, what it means for pricing, et cetera, et cetera. So So for some industries, these forces may be a net negative. Hospitals, we talked about hospitals being um, really impacted in a negative way by these disruptive forces. Drug distributors and retail pharmacies, we also think are likely to be negatively impacted. There are other companies that where we think there's going to be a net, this is, these forces are going to combine as a net positive, mm-hmm. specialized care facilities, urgent care centers, ambulatory surgical uh, centers, as I mentioned before, medical technology, and, and, and a number of technology companies that haven't traditionally been involved in the sectors. We're really thinking about those as sort of the tech insurgents. And then for sar- pharmaceutical manufacturers and some health insurers, the impact is likely to be mixed to the extent that they're able to sort of harness the tailwind from the positive impact and navigate around some of the negative disruptive forces. So let me just try and finish where I started, which is, you know, we've we've traditionally in the investment world thought about healthcare as defensive in nature. With the onset of disruption, that's really not the case. And and um, it further underscores that healthcare is not monolithic. There's all these different subsectors and industries within healthcare that will be end up being winners and losers depending on how all this plays out. Absolutely. You couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Thank good. you. Let's stop right there. Moira, thanks a lot for, for all your in, insights on uh, this subject and others. You've been on the show a couple of times talking about disruption in general. So we appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you. And if you want to learn more about this subject and read some of Moira's research, please see the link to our blog, Investing in Healthcare Disruption, in this episode's description. And also, please email us with your thoughts or questions or feedback to insights at Bernstein.com. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Bernstein PWM. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.